This is Utah Jazz Playoff Basketball on the Zone Sports Network. Charles Barkley once said a series does not start until the home team loses a game. In that series, when he said that, the home team lost very quickly on a John Stockton shot. Let's hope the same can happen for the Utah Jazz, who are now tied 2-2 against the L.A. Clippers. 8 o'clock tip-off right here on the Zone Sports Network. When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every moment on the zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on The Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, checking in with the other shows on The Zone Sports Network. And in this case, checking in with the Utah Jazz. And Mike Conley, of course, uh, has not played in the series. Been a, a really big story, still dealing with that uh, that uh, injured hamstring and was made available today, Gordon. And actually, you know, gets into some detail about how this process has gone. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, well, how would you describe it? Frustrating? Yeah. Well, I mean, having a setback, which he, he uses that word. I mean, having a setback. At any time, it's got to be frustrating, And that's right? the problem because he's so eager to get back yeah. that he's pushing it, and then well, that's what happens. And so it's these these kinds of injuries are, are most uh, difficult to overcome. And occasionally you get people out there in the Twitterverse, the, the cesspool that is that particular app, and other places uh, questioning his want to be there or toughness oh, or any of that. That's uh, a bunch of malarkey. I challenge anybody to have that same opinion after listening to this uh, this media availability because yeah. you can hear it. You can hear what he wants, and it's just and it's just not there. So let's let's check in with him, yeah, okay. shall we? All, All right. right, let's hear from the man himself. Our first question will come from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike, good to see you. See you. Uh, so just given that, you know, the Jazz termed your your injury a mild hamstring strain and, and just given that the last time we talked to you, you had mentioned how you felt like it maybe was not as severe as the last one. Um, wonder if you could kind of just update us on how you're doing, how you're feeling, if you feel like you're close to a return anytime soon um kind of what progress you're making behind the scenes um yeah so uh initially i thought it you know i thought it was uh a lot more mild than the ones before and it was and um had been pushing really well you know really hard to, to play earlier in the season uh series um had a small setback you know related to the hammy uh, during that process so Thus is why, you know, it's been extended a little bit longer than uh, I know we all would like. And obviously, if I could play, I would. And there's no question about that. And um, But the progress we're making now is is really good. Um, you know, it's just a little delayed. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Mike, have, have, are you under the impression that you might be able to come back uh, in this series, or is there any sort of timetable that you're looking at right now? 
Well, the way things have been progressing and obviously with the series, um, as close as it is and as tight as it is, I, you know, I think that this series is possible and, uh, and depending on the situation, obviously. Um, and, you know, for me, I've, I've played through a lot of things uh, in my career and uh, wouldn't hesitate to do it again. And, um, and, you know, I would love to be out there to, you know, every one of these games, but, um, you know, going forward, you, there's a balance of doing what's right for our team um, and thinking about our goals going forward. And if we can find a way to, you know, get a win here and there and, you know, give me a couple more days to hopefully, you know, feel a little bit better going forward. Um, you know, this, this series is still much in play. Tony Genzi athletic. Mike, two part question. Um, what's the frustration level uh, like for you uh, with this injury, given how well you were playing against Memphis? And, um, you know, watching James Harden uh, last night and not being able to push off and not be able to, to get to his spots. Is there a fear that if you come back, that, you know, you have that same kind of thing? Well, you know, firstly, it's uh, it's very, very frustrating. You know, very frustrating because, uh, like I said earlier, I worked so hard, um, especially in the last couple months, solely on taking care of my body and hamstring, and for it to happen in a situation that you know didn't make sense um, was very frustrating. And, and for as well as we all were playing as a team, and um, the rhythm that we had, um, you know, it was it was unfortunate timing and um, obviously to be sitting here right now, still not playing is, uh, you know, I'm probably the most frustrated person that you, you'll run into uh, in a day. So, um, but at the same time, you know, like you said, you, you push it too far, you know, you might have another setback or, you know, be out longer. And if we are able to get out of this round and, you know, you're going forward and you're looking, you know, you don't want to miss multiple series because of, us, uh, an injury that you, you know, could have managed a little bit better. So, um, you know, hats off to James for playing, you know, I think that's as a player, that's what we all want to do is go out there and help our team. And, um, you know, obviously it wasn't himself and, and, you know, those are always thoughts in players heads, but at the same time, you just go out there and suit up and play and, and worry about the rest of it later. And be Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, just kind of tell us how the, the process has unfolded in terms of like you being questionable and then out. I mean, basically, are you being evaluated every game day or and what is that evaluation process like? Um, yeah, I've, I've been evaluated on a day to day basis, basically. And, um, you know, with with hamstrings or anything, you know, muscular, it's they're, they're weird and they're very weird. And, you know, that means that I'll go a couple of days of not doing anything just to let everything calm down. And then as soon as you start to run, you know, something happens or pops up. And so you just kind of really honestly have to, you know, wake up in the morning and hope that it's gone at, at, at this point and, uh, or hope that it's at a reasonable level to play. I wouldn't say I'm not going to be a hundred percent when I try to come back for sure. So, um, it's just been a day-to-day -day process of, of, you know, getting evaluated in the morning, um, seeing how it goes, if I'm able to run, if I'm able to get on the court. Um, those are all been, been factors on if I'm able to, to suit up. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com.
Mike, going back to February now, I, I mean, I guess this thing just never got 100%. What do you know? Have you looked back now at the injury and thought that, okay, the initial injury was worse or is that something the team has said because you haven't been able to figure out how to keep it, uh, keep it back to a hundred percent? Well, I, I think the initial one um, was the worst of the bunch. And I think that that just, you know, the time, the, the time that I probably needed um, to really address it um, would have been a lot longer, uh, even though I felt good during those times, like, you know, summertime off season is the best time to kind of get your body in line and in order. And um, obviously in the NBA, we don't have that kind of, that kind of time during the season. So um, I think, you know, we've done the best we can, we, we, uh, we've done the best that we can as far as managing it and allowing me to play and continue to stay in shape and game shape and help the team in, in different areas. And, um, and unfortunately, like, you know, like we said, the hamstrings are unpredictable and, uh, I've never really had to deal with this like this before. So that's why it's, you know, very, very, very frustrating. David Locke, Jazz Radio. Mike, I was actually going to take it back even further. Didn't you have some hamstring issues last year? Was it similar? And then I apologize for my ignorance. Did you have any of these issues in Memphis or is this just something that's come on at the later stages of, of your career? Yeah, last year was, uh, felt like it was the first real incident where I've actually, you know, done some damage to a hamstring or had a pull, um, in Memphis. Um, I've had some times where it felt sore or my hamstrings felt sore, but had no issues like played, you know, the rest of the year, played, never missed, you know, really games for that or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's just, like I said, it's one of the things like it's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to understand, you know, why sometimes, you know, my, if my hamstring was like the next guy's or the atypical hamstring, maybe, you know, I, you could put a date on it and say, I'd be back, you know, in two games or whatever, but for some reason, you know, my case is different and bodies are different. So um, that's the unfortunate part about it is we just, you just have to work through it and be patient. And um, that's the hardest thing. Dana Green, ABC4. Hey, Mike, uh, with the news that Kawhi is going to be out tonight, um, just shows how, many, how much injuries have affected the playoffs. Um, how, how do you, I know you're not playing tonight, but how do you think that affects the game? Um, how's the team reacting to that news, that he might actually be out for the rest of the series? Um, well, obviously, you know, first off, that's, that's uh, not news you want to hear at any point as an athlete, um, even as a competitor, you know, I, you feel for anybody who gets in, uh, injury, uh, especially at this late in the season. And, um, you know, those are tough. It'll be, it'll, it'll be tough situations for them. Um, obviously it'll affect our games. Uh, we know the kind of talent Kawhi is and what he brings to the series and for the team uh, that he's on. And, um, and, and obviously we can't look at this as a, a reason to exhale, a uh, reason to, uh, kind of lower our level at all because um, that team is is as deep as a team as you'll go against and there's a reason why they built that team that way and um, and they still have stars on that team that can carry them to wins and 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 that's what our focus is still on is is being present um, being able to 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 match the intensity intensity of a team that's going to come out uh, with guys 
who might not have played as much early in the series are going to start playing. Guys who haven't shot as much are going to start shooting more, more aggressive. Um, so being able to match the intensity, intensity of those guys coming out trying to get a win. Follow-up from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. So uh, two questions. First off, can you give us a little more clarity on when the, the setback happened, like what games you were you guys were in between? Yeah, that was uh, – it was a day of game two, so I was pretty much prepared to come back uh, game, I think, game three. And uh, and that's that's when it kind of happened. Okay. And and my second question is, just given the number of hamstring issues you had at this point, and, and given that you said, you know, when you come back, you won't be 100%, is there any concern that this might be kind of a chronic thing at this point, or do you feel like, you know, with a full off season to kind of rest and recover that, that, that should take care of it. No, I don't, I don't think it's a chronic thing at all. I think, like you said, it will be an off season thing um, that it takes time to just fully let everything heal and months of training uh, months of preparing your body in a different way than I probably have in the past. So um, like I said, all right, right now, the time, time, this isn't on our side for that. So we won't have time to wait but um, just manage it as best we can and, and um, deal with it in the offseason. All right, we have time for one more follow-up. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, when you, when you say that you had a small setback, was it just a, another pull, another little bit of a strain on the hamstring? Um, yeah, it, it was similar, but, um, you know, kind of went down a little bit further. So it was... Um, you know, just kind of stretched out a little bit longer range um, from just the spot that was initially sore. So um, as far as that's concerned, like it's almost like the initial spot is feeling a lot better. And now as it went down further, um, trying to get that to to let go a little bit and um, and heal. And, and like I said, time is the best thing for it. We don't have that, but at the same time, we're, we're ex expediting it as quickly as we can. And um, like I said, I feel, you know, capable and ready if, uh, if I'm able to play this series. Media availability earlier today from Mike Conley. And, uh, yeah, I realize that's, that's not an uplifter. It does not sound good. He had that setback and was hoping to play in game three of the series. And yeah, it's just tough news. Well, you said it before, uh, we played that, uh, interview that, uh, you, you can hear it in his voice that he wants to play. He wants to play badly and that he's frustrated. And there's none of this nonsense about people criticizing Mike Conley because he's not on the floor. You know, well, well, that, that comes across loud and clear. And, and we already knew that with the guy with Conley's character. I uh, He's going to be a free agent this year. And, you know, I, I'm talking about you, narrative here. You know the narrative is going to form out there, and he doesn't want it that, oh, can he be there for you in the playoffs when it matters the most? Well, you know, I mean, that's I mean, you're going to hear that narrative. He, that, he that's wants unavoidable. To, he wants I mean, to play more than anybody for that reason. Yeah, he has a bunch financially on the exactly. line. Exactly, and uh, so, but but it is a factor, and the Jazz would be uh, not doing their their due diligence if they didn't factor that in. I mean, you can't you can't deny that this isn't that this hasn't happened. So uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes moving forward, and of course, depending upon the fate of the Jazz. We'll see. Uh, you know, if they if they can somehow get past the Clippers. 
and Mike Conley at some point rejoins the team and he is able to help them win games and win series moving forward, no one's even going to think about this period of time. If he can't, it's a different matter. Let's move on and what's going on to Hans and Scotty. Hans on vacation. Scotty G had a conversation with Andrew Greif, who covers the Clippers for the L.A. Times. Let's talk about the uh, the big news out of L.A., certainly with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, when you saw that injury happen, and you know we're all watching it, and I thought, okay, well, that didn't look great, but it didn't look like he was too overly concerned about it. When did it start to set in that this could be a serious injury? Well, you're right. I mean, it wasn't a knee-to-knee situation with Joe Ingles uh, in transition. He's kind of, Ingles kind of bumped him, but they didn't knock knees. It was the outside leg, the right knee. Um, and then Kawhi, although he was – Clearly flexing the knee out of bounds for a little bit, came back in, played the next possession, actually drove the lane, um, took a shot, got some free throws, and then left about a minute later. So um, the way Kawhi initially said, um, I'm good several times, uh, obviously he's not one who's going to reveal his health status, but he wasn't on the injury report last night. So that was kind of the first instance where if he'd been questionable at all you would have assumed that he might have been listed there um so it's been it's kind of a obviously it's a very surprising the uh the the concern about the acl obviously you know out tonight and and maybe for the next couple games but uh how concerned are the clippers that this could be a a season-ending injury well not not a whole lot of talk from the clippers camp obviously about this stuff um but they i think that the thing you have to keep in mind is that um, just talking with some friends who deal with sports injuries a little bit, um, you know, if, if it is an ACL injury, um, I, it's, it feels like there's not, at least from what I can gather, there's not a lot that can just sort of be managed through rehab. Yeah. You know, it's, if it's an ACL, usually it's it's a pretty bad injury. Um, and so I think that's a pretty troubling baseline to start from. Um, if indeed this is what it is, uh, it, it does sound like that, they're waiting for more conclusive results um, to, to fully understand the severity of it. But um, I don't think that anytime you're dealing with um, a, a, you know, a sprain is really just sort of medical code for uh, possibly, you know, something that's much worse than that, that word would, sign- would signify. From a lineup and rotation standpoint, what do the Clippers do and what are the adjustments with, with no Kawhi in the lineup? Uh, I think the, the one of probably three guys will, will leap into his spot. I think that if you um, you kind of want to ride the, the hot hand, you probably go with Luke Kennard as a starter. Um, he's made uh, I think seven of his last twelve threes in this series. He's been excellent. Um, if you want the, the floor spacing um, to give Paul George more driving lanes, I think that that's one option. Terrence Mann is a guy off the bench who has been reliably energetic and long armed, sort of that switchable defender who could step in. You know, he's not obviously Kawhi Leonard level defender, but he's very young. Uh, he's pretty trustworthy, and I think that his defensive presence would sort of fill some of that gap. I think the other option, though, is Patrick Beverly. You know, he was a guy who. I, when I looked at it last night, Donovan Mitchell was one of six um, shooting against Beverly when Beverly was was his primary defender in game four. Um, did not have a big role in the first round against Dallas, but has really come back in the, the Jazz. The Clippers clearly like his matchup on Mitchell. So I think that if you are looking at, okay, who's going to step up and take some of the burden of guarding Donovan Mitchell, um, Patrick Beverly is probably your first um, first choice too. I think my main question is, 
we saw Ty Lue, because of the length of the first-round series in Game 1, go 11 deep into his rotation, playing Boogie Cousins and Rajon Rondo. Uh, Rondo missed the last game with right knee soreness, so, so the team said, um, will he be available tonight? Um, if so, do the Clippers go at him? He did not play in Games 2 and 3 either, from what I remember. Um, so I think that there's there's still a lot of different variability that Ty Lue can go to because of how deep his lineup is. So they're not out of, they're not i guess in a terrible position in terms of options to plug to plug in it's just whether what Ty wants to do Andrew Greif from the LA Times he covers the Clippers and talking about how to make up for an absence of Kawhi Leonard I got to disagree with Andrew a little bit there I don't I mean he's the way he's able to play is such a big part of why the Clippers were successful they're going to have to go back to the drawing board on a bunch of stuff and it's why we brought this up with Walden I think Rudy has a big night tonight I think Rudy's back in this series because uh, the Clippers are going to have to run some sort of offense to get those guys he's talking about open shots. Well, the Clippers do have other defenders who are pretty good and pretty long. And, uh, you know, if Donovan wants to handle the ball the way he has, he needs to find those open shooters, and those open shooters have to be ready to receive the ball and or catch and shoot. And, uh, and Kawhi is a real problem in that regard. He's so long, and he's... He's uh, such a good defender that he has caused real havoc from that standpoint. However, I, I, I think maybe the Clippers can absorb that better than they can the loss of him at the offensive end. I, I would agree with that. Would you? Uh, I would agree Because with that he's too. a heck of a defender. That's why that's kind of—I had to think long yeah. and hard about that. But I, uh, I think his presence at the offensive end is— uh, I mean, who is going to make up for Kawhi Leonard yeah. and what he delivers at that side? You know, the Clippers do have those other defenders who can who can maybe cause some problems, but certainly not like Kawhi. Well, it, it's interesting his answer right there because this is the problem the Clippers have, right? He said to make up for Kawhi offensively, they need to space the floor to help Paul George, right? Right, right? But then he said to make up for Kawhi defensively, maybe Patrick Beverly could take some time on Donovan Mitchell. Well, herein lies the problem, Gordon, because you know who doesn't spread the floor? Patrick Beverly. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's it's why Kawhi being the complete player that he is is such a luxury because there aren't many players like him. And so if you're going to make up for something that you're missing with him out of the lineup with one player, there isn't another Kawhi Leonard. Don't so, I recall Patrick Beverly making a three in one of the games? <laughs> my dad used to say this all the time, Gordon. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just like saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, how, how do you uh, how do you how do you replace one of the top four players in the NBA and and probably the best two way player in the NBA? Uh, you don't. Well, you know, playoff P is going to have to pick up a lot of that slack, but I don't think he's capable of picking up all of it. Well, he has uh, struggled at times here in Salt Lake City. He's had some decent games, but uh, he he's going to be and he's been playing terrific over the past uh, week or so, but. We'll see what he can do. Obviously, the Jazz know that, and they're going to be running bodies at uh, at uh, playoff P. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. And, Andrew, so glad you're helping uh, our listeners because I, I know a lot of guys have been dealing with uh, this sort of stuff for a long time. Yeah, they have, and uh, we're hearing from them. We're hearing them uh, from them from at maybe a younger age than what a lot of guys would think about. If you're struggling with ED or erectile dysfunction, or just mentioning it, you might think that's a 90 year old guy. 
but guys in their 20s, 30s, and 40s every day in this clinic, frankly. Um, maybe it's not ED by definition in their mind, but it's not as good as it used to be. It's the occasional failure. That is usually the beginning stages. The blood vessels are restricting. Uh, they're a little bit damaged. Um, they're not as wide as they used to be. That's how we age, and maybe as we eat as well, it doesn't help us. Our acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical, though, it repairs those blood vessels. Uh, it's been shown by clinical study after clinical study to do so and helped so many guys get back to normal, young and old, with every kind of health condition. Uh, this, I believe, just like the studies say, is the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. What's uh, What does the, the spouse think about all this usually? Well, they're uh, usually really for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you think this is a guy problem, but... Uh, spouses call us all the time. They come in with their men, and they're kind of cheerleaders of it. ED certainly affects them as well. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call, 801-901-8000. And come in and see the doctor for free, and you always take great care of our listeners. Yes, you can come in and ask questions about your specific condition. Maybe an injury led you to this, or maybe there's something else. Uh, Why do I have ED? What's the real cause? What can I do? He'll answer all that. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound, no charge. And the little gift, very popular, produces immediate results in the bedroom. It's worth the trip. Uh, Give us a call now. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Injury is the big story of the day in the Jazz Clippers series. Kawhi Leonard is out for tonight's game with a knee injury he suffered during game number four. Mike Conley out tonight as he continues to recover from his hamstring injury. Donovan Mitchell talked about uh, what kind of an impact uh, Mike Conley has on Donovan's game when he's playing. Huge. There are times where it's like, you know, it's talks that are pretty lengthy, but then there are times where it's like little tidbits, like, you know, Sarah likes to jump to your right hand. Little stuff like that, just so I can like, oh shoot, like you're thinking about it on the fly, like little things like that that he'll give you myself you know and being able to sit on by him in the locker room being able to play xbox with him, like you know just forming that that bond early was huge and then we became real cool and started just going over so many different things in, in the game of basketball and what he saw he's been in the playoffs i think eight or nine times in his career so he's seen a lot he helps me tremendously you know being able to just kind of like a calming cooling presence regardless if we're up down you know whatever it is and for me personally i think it's big for my growth like you said in my development in, in many different ways the series is tied up in two games apiece. Game five tonight. Tip-off uh, here at Vivint Arena a little after 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage from the plaza begins at 7. This update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, U.S. Open this week. Let's get one more qualifier. Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and we will pair you with a golfer. We have one golfer left. That golfer in the top 25, uh, another 26 in the field, but I think we gave that away already. Uh, if your golfer wins, you will receive a Callaway staff bag, courtesy of our friends at Uinta Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. Color 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. With that, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Real Golf Radio every single Saturday morning, he's our friend Brian Taylor. What's up, BT? Hey, good to be on with you guys, huh? Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's nice to... Mix in a little U.S. Open talk uh, amongst the basketball. Yeah, we really yeah, uh, beat I'm anxious for tonight, by the way. Yeah, so. we, got, we got nothing else to talk about but golf. So, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you you're, you follow this stuff closely, don't you, BT? What's that? The yeah, jazz? The jazz, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm well invested. You know, I used to produce the jazz uh, radio site for about two and a half seasons back in the day. After the 97-98 finals and into the 99 shortened season there, the lockout. And I, I was so invested, and I in, invested so much in, energy into it that when I finally left uh, radio full-time, sports radio full-time with you all, I didn't watch the Jazz for like two years. I had to take a break. I was just emotionally spent. And you know what? As it goes, I got sucked right back in, and, um, and I've been uh, – Darren Williams uh, kind of sucked me in, in you know, like 0-3 there, that run. And, and I've been fully invested ever since. But, yeah, I'm excited to watch the game tonight, and um, I kind of live and die by it. And I'll tell you, it's actually kind of fun to be a fan, uh, not have to sit on your side of the mic and just sit here and – and uh, and have the hope, as they say. Well, let's talk a little golf, BT. Tell us uh, a little bit of how you think this course is going to play. Who might it favor? What style of game? Well, it's interesting that you that you ask that because I was just watching a feature that uh, the Golf Channel did on Tony Finau and his play at, at Torrey Pines, and I didn't realize I knew that Tony, you know, played well at Torrey. We've been out there actually to the Farmers and walked with his dad and, and, and watched Tony play in person. And, uh, but I didn't realize until they pulled up the golf channel, put the statistics up that Tony, despite, you know, typically having putter issues when he's playing those greens, those Poana greens there specifically at Torrey Pines, he's number one in putting over the last five years at Torrey Pines. And he's specifically uh, good at his lag putts. And uh, Brandel Chambly, an analyst for Golf Channel, was talking about how this golf course is one of the toughest to putt from four to eight feet. Uh, one of the things is because of the Poana, it tends to get a little bumpy in the afternoons. And there's also some, some breaks there. And, and uh, lag putting means Tony from outside of 10 feet getting it inside of, of a foot and uh, making it a, a relatively easy uh, two putt. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And so you combine the fact and listening to Tony's comments you know, on a golf channel as well. And he said, you know, it, the, the high fade works really well around this golf course. A lot of the holes are left to right. And he is able to, of course, utilize his power with that uh, ball flight. And, and it suits up well for him off the tee. And then, you know, he, he's able to, to putt those greens well. Tiger was very much that way. Tiger uh, obviously putted well. He won there nine times. Uh, last time the U.S. Open was held there in 2008, he won. Um, so it, it's, it, it favors a guy, obviously, that's got a little bit of length. But like Tony, similar to Tiger, they had more length than they actually use at this type of a golf course. And guys that are able to that have the length but are able to rein it back in favor of hitting fairways, keeping it out of the penalizing rough, tend to tend to fare well. So um, it that, those are the, the the ingredients. It's the U.S. Open, man. Find fairways, hit it on the green, and 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 get get a little lucky and hot with the putter. And and Tony has showed a. 
uh, an ability to do that on this golf course and the fact that he has two top tens in his five U.S. Open appearances. So um, I, I guess it favors a guy like Tony. Brian, when I played that course, uh, I was younger then, and I was uh, I was playing the fade a little bit, and I was hitting those uh, <laughs> those big launches out there about three twenty or so, and I I really didn't have I, I I didn't have many problems with the golf course, but under U.S. Open conditions, I'm sure that I would, uh, and I'm. I'm kind of joking. I mean, I think I hit one good drive like that maybe when I played the course. But how do you rank this course or rate it versus other great golf courses that you've seen around the country? Uh, well, first of all, um, 99% of golfers hit that, quote, fade that you're talking about, Gordon. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's more of a slice for the most of us, but we'll call it a, we'll call it a fade. I like the way you think. Yeah, yeah, I like the way, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. How do you rank this golf course? I mean, it's a staple on the PGA Tour, and it's one of those classic seaside golf courses. It's, it's a long, brutal golf course. Uh, it, it's got history, obviously, with Tiger Woods, and mostly thanks to Tiger Woods, even though when you go there, I mean, Billy Casper's got a, his likeness engraved on the Wall of Fame as you walk in, and along with several others, and you know, including, you know, Gary Player and Arnold Palmer and those guys. So, it's got history to it, and I think that's always a great element. It's been able to stand the test of time from guys like, like Casper playing back in the 60s and 70s to you know even today's players and, and greats that go out there. So I think it's got the elements of a championship course. I don't know if it quite – I mean, you asked me to compare it to other great golf courses. I'm not sure it's quite in that tier of you know the Augusta Nationals, the Wingfoots, the Shinnecocks, the Pebble Beach – I don't know that it quite has that cachet um, or 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 level to it, but it it's right. If if those are one A, then this one is probably in that one B category. And I think there's a lot of people that still like to say, you know, hey, I had a chance to play Torrey Pines. Maybe some of it is access, the fact that it's a public golf course. Although, quite frankly, trying to get access to that golf course is sometimes harder than than some of these private courses. But, um, yeah, it's, it's there, Gordon. It has the, the elements of it, but I'm not sure it's quite the, the golf course that we, that we saw at Wingfoot, for instance, last September in the U.S. Open. So if you were to rank the, uh, the distance versus the, the hazards, the rough, all that stuff that they, 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 <laughs> they make more difficult for these kinds of things, or the putting on that surface you described, which of those three will be most challenging to these great players? Oh, you know, it's, I mean, the rough is the biggest defense of the golf course at Torrey Pines. And the question was posed to Dustin Johnson and, you know, Dustin Johnson's sort of a wizard at, at not answering, answering a question, but not answering a question. <laughs> and that's kind of what he gave us on this one. But the question was, is it more penalizing to miss into the rough on your approach into the green or into the rough off the tee. And he kind of said just at the end of the day, it's both penalizing. But I think that, I think the biggest difference between what they see at the farmers year in, year out, and what they'll experience this week in a U.S. Open setup is the rough around the green. I think that is what's going to be the most penalizing for players. They're going to be used to, hey, I just missed the green, and I can get that up and down, where under the U.S. Open rough, they're going to have a hard time controlling that shot and being able to get it anywhere near the hole because the firmness and the speed of the greens in June versus February and the thickness of the rough around the greens from which they have to play. 
So I, I would have, I would say the rough around the greens is probably going to be the biggest challenge for these players. BT, could uh, Phil do the impossible and add the U.S. Open trophy to his mantle and win his second consecutive major uh-huh. at the ripe old age of 78? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he only has a five-year exemption, so he'd have to do it before 56. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, and by the way, it's his birthday today. He's 51. Um, could he do it? Sure. He's in the field. He obviously is playing well. I talked to the guys earlier that – um, uh, that you know, he's in his, probably as good a physical shape as he's been in the last five years, maybe ten years of his life. Uh, his game is, you know, he's talked all year long about how it's close, but the stats and his finishes didn't show that it was anywhere near close. And then he just shows up and wins at the PGA. So uh, I, I guess if you take the fact that he's the latest major winner and he dispatched the young brood of Brooks Kepka playing alongside of him, could he do it again at Torrey Pines? Yeah. I mean, sure. Why couldn't he? Um, the rest of everything else, the optics would say n- there's no chance. Like it was a sort of a once in a lifetime, you know, kind of achievement on an already stellar career. And you look back just two years ago at Pebble Beach, he won at Pebble Beach in February. And then he came back and he was awful. In fact, I think he might have missed the cut in the U.S. Open there that year. So, you know, it, you wondered if, and he was 49 at the time, so you wondered if maybe that was his, his last great chance. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I would love to see it. It would be quite the story. I don't think it's something like we've ever seen in golf, certainly, but I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's very probable that Phil does that this week. Check me if I'm wrong on this, BT, but didn't he grow up in San Diego? Didn't he grow up yeah. playing that golf course? He did, yeah. He played high school matches there, and so it's kind of his quasi-home course. But um, it was interesting in his, you know, he, for, for that being said, that the golf course was changed by Reese Jones back in 2001. And most of the people felt like it was a, an effort to tiger-proof the golf course. Tiger had gone on to win many times after 2001, but Phil never really won after that. And, um, and it's, it's kind of had a struggle with it. And so I, 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 he admitted this week in his interview, I found it really fascinating that he talked about how he spent so much time to try to get that, quote, local knowledge back. So – and maybe he hadn't put the time into it previously um, to get that local knowledge back. And he kind of has struggled at, at the farmers and actually skipped it a couple of times. So um, I, I, he's put the work in over the last week or so trying to relearn those greens. He talked about how Tiger had figured out the code and that Tiger was pretty conservative on his approach into those greens so that he would give himself a, a, a spot where he could putt to the pins rather than going at the pins. And Phil's philosophy has always been, I've never met a pin I didn't like, and so he fired at all kinds of pins that would get him in trouble. And I don't think, with, as I just talked about with the rough around the greens, you really need to pick your spots and, and have a game plan and the discipline to stick to that. Tiger was a master at that. I think Phil's seen what Tiger did there and wants to try to replicate that and has put the time in to try to do that. So while he grew up there and he's familiar with all of it, it's certainly quite different than when he was a kid and even since 2001. So um, not, I do think he has some local knowledge, but maybe not as much as you might think. BT, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Enjoy it, guys. Go Jazz. Brian Taylor, a good friend from Real Golf Radio. Listen to him every Saturday morning, but uh, they are particularly good on the weekend of the majors. I played that golf course, Jake, with that. with uh, uh, a good Hugh friend Hefner. of mine, a good friend, <laughs> a friend of mine, who, Stallone and Casey Kasem, <laughs> a friend of mine who had a friend that I had met before, 
who, uh, when he was playing high school golf, uh, he he beat Freddie Couples in a tournament. It's always the friend of a friend of a friend's. Mm-hmm. And my my life wasn't complete without knowing that. <laughs> I didn't think it would be. I mean, now so I'm I trying. Can, to, look, I'm trying to plug holes home, in your happy, life all over the place. Man. You know, yeah. you're springing leaks here and there. But some uh, guy that Gordon doesn't know <laughs> beat Freddie Couples. <laughs> I got to know him pretty well. <laughs> But I had a gr- I had a fantastic time playing that course. It was wonderful. You mentioned I was uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier. I was bigger and stronger then and able to handle situations a little better. But uh, my golf swing was every bit as ugly then as it is now. I'm sorry to say. You you've been to Southern California? I had no idea. Yeah, I played Torrey Pines, uh, the the North and the South. Hello, Thank you, Lloyd. Four, four or five times, and uh, always enjoyed it. Can we count this as the not sports report? <laughs> hey, as I'm walking in the building today, all right, I'm angry, right, because I lost my key. I'm sweating because it's 110 degrees outside, and I walk in the building, and I'm scurrying up here to the studio because it, it delayed me, as you know. But a guy walks up to me and made my day. He said, are you going to do the Not Sports Report today? And I said, yep. And he said, I'll be listening. I love it every single day. Well, I've got bad news for him. Your anecdote uh, there just took up uh, a big chunk of the Not Sports Report because we're late. So, And we've got lock at five, so, so I don't know. So we got no time for the Not Sports Report? Very little. Oh, but thank goodness you talked about your uh, the, some stranger that beat Freddie Couples once. <laughs> well, it was fun playing with somebody that had played at that level. Stay yeah. tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Turkey. Uh, this is what happened, Jake. Apparently, a woman uh, emailed out of the blue another woman. They did not know each other. Complete strangers. And let the, uh, the, the second woman know that they had been dating the same man for the past eight months. Okay. And he had not revealed any of this information to them. Okay. And so they, they sort of concocted this plan. They told him that they would, that they told him, one of them told them that she would meet him in Turkey or went with him to Turkey for a vacation there. And when they landed, the other woman appeared and they both confronted him right there, and then they blew him off and ran off and had a girls' trip in Turkey and left him stranded behind. Sounds like an episode of Cheaters. And they apparently they had a good time, uh, and they, were, they enjoyed uh, uh, the uh, opportunity to embarrass him, to confront him uh, about the cheating, and... Uh, they had a wonderful time together. They're now they're the best of friends, apparently. So that's it. You told me to keep it short. I kept it short. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, also, one other little thing. They're in Florida, you know how a lot of people have those doorbell cameras now 
where they can, you know, they can see what's going on outside their front door. Well, Never heard of them. A family of check theirs, and uh, they were getting doorbell ditched apparently by like a fifteen foot alligator, an alligator on their at their front door. That I think that might concern me a little bit. You know, I'm not sure I would want the kids out playing in the yard if you got gators crawling around ringing your doorbell. That's it. I kept it short, is just it, like you ordered. Is the gator selling something or something? <laughs> Magazines. Magazines. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, for a scholarship program. Is the gator the, spreading the word about the church? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not no. that I know of anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think it was Wally Gator. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Uh, joining us now. Oh, never mind. We got to get him on the line. Sorry. Sorry, Lloyd. So I started thinking the full time. Well, I don't think so. I, I think I think Lloyd was so uh, drawn into your doorbell gator story that he didn't. He didn't I'm call looking Andrew. at these two women, Kristen and Sophie, over there having, you know, drinking uh, nice beverages and having the time of their lives. Oh, I feel, uh, you know. On his dime? I, well, I don't know. I didn't say that. Well. All right. Out to the zone phone we go now. Join us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He's our good friend, Andrew Reinhardt. And this guy's uh, – Gordon just talked to about a story about a guy whose love life's a bit of a mess. Uh, get uh, get the spark back in your love life, right, Andrew? You, yeah. That's where you guys come in at Wasatch Medical Clinic. That's where we come in. We can't help with all aspects of the relationship. <laughs> it's complicated. But this one in the bedroom, we have become ex- maybe the biggest experts there are with erectile dysfunction, particularly if you're out there not loving the pill, taking the pill, thinking, okay, when's it going to work? It Will it work? And what kind of side effects am I going to have tomorrow? If you have thought any of those, the acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical is so easy and so effective, science-backed, it opens up and regrows the blood vessels in this part of the body. That that's what erectile dysfunction is, really. It's a blood flow problem. So we correct that. Guys, eliminate the pill. And, you know, you probably won't get back to 20 years old, but 30 years old or 35, we hear about that every week in the clinic and a lot of improved intimacy. Yeah, get the spontaneity back, right? You don't have to, to plan the whole thing around taking the pill. I would imagine that's pretty appealing. It is very appealing. That's the number one attraction to this. For the first time in 30 years, we're treating damaged blood vessels, the root cause problem of ED, instead of the symptoms. That's a big, big deal for guys so that when the timing is right in the bedroom, things work like they used to. 801-901-8000, number to call, 801-901-8000, and you always do a lot for our listeners. Yes, we will do the initial assessment and exam with our doctor. That's the first step at no charge. You can ask a lot of questions. Uh, he'll do a blood flow ultrasound if you're interested in testing your blood flow. We'll do that at no charge. You get the very popular gift still that produces immediate results in the bedroom. Worth the trip for that alone. Give us a call. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. David Locke joins the show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.